0: Hi Poppy fans and welcome to Theo Forecast episode 78. Well there's a lot of negativity around but what we're going to do here today is try and give you some potential transfer targets to cheer you up in all this darkness. Joining me along today for the fun and games is co-hosting with me Freddie Webb. How are you Freddie?
2: I'm doing very well Hugh, thank you. Yeah as we mentioned if you look at Twitter, Facebook or even chat somebody in the street if you're allowed out there's a lot of negativity around this team so what we thought we'd do is we'd bring together some transfers talk about the signings we have made if you count them as such and try and bring some positivity to this side because it
0: generally it, it we need it right now i like that you even sound like you're trying really hard there freddie which I, <laughs> I, I appreciate mate. you I mean, have to. A- you, you,
2: you can't uh, i'm still annoyed by the playoffs but you can't let it consume you the entire time can
0: you no, exactly. You have to have you have to have thoughts outside of it as well. Um yeah, and joining
1: us again on the
0: podcast. Thanks for joining us, is Gabe Sutton. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, Hugh. Hope you've been keeping well. Good to speak to you as well, Freddie. Yeah. Looking forward to it.
0: No, it's great to have you on the, on the uh, podcast, especially for this one. When we're looking at for players, you know, that Pompey can bring in. Um, obviously, you, you know, you have a pundit for the EFL. I know you, you do stuff for like the wheel of betting, um, who scored, etc. So, no, it's great to have you on the show, mate. And I am look forward to having a chat about some potential defenders.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it too.
0: Okay, cool. So, just before we dive into the different players we're going to go, I just wanted to quickly touch on um, the salary cap. Uh, because let's not go into it too much because everyone's going to be bored uh, reading through huge amounts of stuff. But as a Pompey fan, Freddie, how do you feel? Uh, it's a pretty dreadful
2: decision, to be honest with you, and not just for the club. I think in general, it's a bad decision. If you, w- I'll keep it brief, but if you want more details on the salary cap, you can read my opinion article at poppynewsnow.com. But essentially, it, the, the cap in its current state doesn't work. I think a cap is a good idea because obviously teams are still spending a ridiculous amount of money of the income they generate on wages and obviously with covid and fans not being allowed back in the stadium that's a real issue but what they've done is they've made a hard cap two and a half million in league one and there's not a lot of wiggle room at all and they've also done a thing where current players their wage gets averaged out to make it easier, I think the maximum you can have is a 22-man squad, not counting under-21s. So all the relegated teams, their squads are fine. They don't have to do a mass fire sale. though might end up doing that anyway. And the smaller clubs can still spend up to that £2.5 million, but Portsmouth can't. Even though we're a self-sustainable club, if fans are coming back, we average 18,000 fans every single home game. And yeah, it's rough. It 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 simply doesn't do what it's set out on the tin. And if you want more info on that, look at that article on the website.
0: Nice mate, I, I actually enjoyed that article as well, Freddie. I'm not just oh, saying cheers. that because you're listening. Um, <laughs> this time, I genuinely enjoyed it. No, 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 no Jake. Um, Gabe, Gabe, what do you think about the uh, the salary cap from more of a more of a league wide point of view? Because obviously, you cover all the different teams in the EFL, so. Are are Pompey fans typical of our opinion on maybe it should have been a percentage of revenue towards the cap?
1: Um I can I completely understand why Pompey, Sunderland, and maybe Ipswich fans are disappointed about um the salary cap, especially the blanket cap. Um I think there does need to be financial changes uh within English football. I think that there's a massive disparity, quite a worrying disparity about um the um the the wages uh, that we're seeing at the top level of the game that's kind of coming down and then uh, clubs in league two and league one where their financial situation hasn't changed uh, in line with the premier league. So therefore clubs who um, are having to pay much bigger fees um, on, on wages and things like that. So I think there's certainly are issues on to, in terms of balance, but I don't necessarily know if the solution that the EFL have chosen is the right one. And, um, and I, I suppose you could argue that there's some question marks about how would you um create a um a salary cap based on attendances. Um that might have been more complex op- option for the EFL. That's might might be how they've seen it. Uh might have opened up a can of worms, but I don't agree with the decision I, um at all. I don't think they've they've come to the right conclusion.
0: Are attendances not but sorry, our attendance
1: attendances not recorded after each game though, Gabe? Okay? They're are they not declared? No, but I I think sometimes there's clubs who make more money through um, sort of uh, various marketing events and things like that, that at the club like Barnet, for example, they uh, developed when they were in the AFL, they didn't develop very much of their attendance, their budget through attendances, it was more through um, other forms so I think sometimes there might be slight issues but I think on the whole um, I think it would be much fairer to, or to to the bigger clubs in the division to have uh, allowed them to operate with a budget that's reflective of their, their standing.
0: Freddie anything to add on that mate? Um, I
2: feel, I, I'll quickly say some of the potential solutions to the cap because as I said the idea of it isn't bad it's just been implemented badly I think you need a soft cap, which basically, for those who don't know, is a cap that's flexible. You could either do it by turnover, like we said, or income, or you could do something called a luxury tax that they do in the NBA, where if you go over the cap, you have to pay a certain amount of money back into back to the league as solidarity payments, and then that's spread across everybody. For example, let's say the cap's two and a half million. If Portsmouth want to go over it, for every quid they spend over it, they have to give a quid. To the, to the football league and that's spread out to everybody to even this out or or you just do the novel concept of actually having proper directors or owners tests and actually regulate financial fair play properly and give out punishments for teams that do spend money that they don't have I mean you've only got to look at the teams that got relegated from the championship look at those ownership structures you only have to look at Macclesfield who are in League 2 who have I think it was you might have to correct me Gabe they, they didn't pay their wages on time they've for said about five can... or six months oh sure, yeah um and their punishment was what they got point deductions twice but then when it came to the end of the season they weren't relegated with those point deductions either so i don't see with, with, with those punishments in mind i don't see what's the disincentive for risky spending
1: well I think the disincentive would be uh, a very situation would be running out of money. I think it's in every club's uh, interests to run their club uh, sustainably, every owner's interest to to do that. And um, I think that unfortunately the climate of English football is um, is not encouraging the right sorts of owners who uh, want the best for their football club to uh, to run a club and uh, and I think that's a massive problem that we' that we're facing at the moment. I think the only thing
0: to think about from my perspective is and we'll just move on after this really is just that I don't know 2.5 million I'm not sure the average wage bill of the you know the likes of Wimbledon or, or Rochdale or whatever but would that necessarily be a sustainable budget for those sort of clubs as well in the league and would that mean that if they do spend up to that amount without the gate receipts and the revenue for that that they would still be unsustainable
1: yeah possibly I think for lots of clubs that um in League One, like Wimbledon and as you mentioned, they've tended to um, focus on their academy and look at sustainable ways of operating. So you could argue that the current climate to some extent, actually favours the smaller clubs because they're not carrying uh, during the no-fans period uh, massive wage bills. And uh, obviously, I think the uh, the new rules have been very much a leveller and I think it's, it has been bad news for the bigger clubs such as yourself. So I think clubs that are, are sustainably run uh, but modestly sized are actually better um, benefiting during this period or on some level.
2: I think the last thing I'll say is I'm so surprised still at how the narrative has changed. Because, for example, at the beginning of COVID, there was no, there was lots of arguments about whether football should come back at all with no fans in stadiums because clubs will go bust, and yet there's now a provisional date for a new season, and there's not a chance that fans will get into the stadiums anytime soon. So I
0: don't get, I I still find that very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But all that doom and gloom behind us, people, because it's time to celebrate. Well, because 53% of you anywhere in our poll out of 532% of us who voted said you were both happy with the signings of Lee Brown and Sean Raggett. So the, uh, that's it. Come on. <laughs> so we had four options. I said, were you happy with both signings? Which 53% of you were. So more than 50%, which at the moment with a lot of negativity around is probably a pretty good result. You know, uh, 32% of you said you were happy with Raggett only one percent of you said you were happy with brown only and 14 percent of you miserable fuckers weren't happy with either of them <laughs> so freddie are you how happy are you? are you are you happy about both of these signings or are you one of the miserable fuckers in the 14 uh, percent which i actually voted for no i didn't really <laughs> go on. in general
2: yes i was happy very happy with the racket signing when that was sewn up it's a very good puzzle piece at center half that we needed very good at aerial duels, as you'd might expect, being one of the best in the league at that. Although he's not very, not as but he's average in the league at tackles on the floor, and his passing is sometimes a lot to be desired. He's still a good signing, I think. I think he he's comparable with Manny Monfay, who Portsmouth are linked with, in those defensive stats, and he cost any cheaper because he was on a free. He knows the club, he can settle in very well. And his wages will probably be lower since Portsmouth don't have to compete with anybody for him. So that signing is good. The Lee Brown signing, when I first heard it, I'm sorry to say I sighed. But then I I decided, no, I won't be entirely negative. I'll look into it a bit more. And honestly, I don't mind it. In terms of stats, do you know that Lee Brown surprisingly had the sixth best expected assists for for left-backs in the entire division? I'm very surprised by that. And he got he got three assists less than expected. So make of that what you will. His crossing is reasonable a lot of the time. Let's go. Let, and this won't surprise anybody. For defensive duels, 66% uh, success rate, third in the league for left backs, which many many Pompey fans would even admit, even 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 the detractors of him. Very good defensive play, but the problem is. He does not, the thing he doesn't do very well is A, his dribbling, and B, his pressing. All he had to do is look at the games past Christmas when Steve Seddon was at left back, Ronan Kurtz was on the left wing, and Andy Cannon was at cap. The left side was ridiculous for pressing, for creating width, counter-attacking with pace, which is what Kenny Jacket likes. It ticked all the boxes. And unfortunately, Lee Brown is simply not like Steve Seddon. He simply doesn't do that. I think for delivery, set-piece delivery, I'd prefer Seddon as well. But that's the that's what um, people will beat Brown over the head with. It's the fact that he can't press very well, even though he's defensively solid. He doesn't do the overlapping runs, which Brendan Hounstrop who's released, definitely had the ability to do. I saw yeah. him play against Celtic yesterday, and he, and he impressed me. And I think that that is what a lot of people are unhappy with it's the stylistic choice rather than the player himself and the fact that the club said oh we're going to buy young players in the summer and then you release Brendan Houndstrop and you sign Lee Brown to a two year deal that leaves a weird taste in the mouth in my opinion
0: yeah it certainly does I think from an outside point of view Gabe do you think looking at this you know, a lot of people would have liked Lee Brown I think even Hull were interested as well in signing him but I think that maybe it's seen as a little bit of a, a Kenny Jacket fanboy sort of uh, vote over here. And he's going to get stick when maybe if people were happier with Kenny Jacket, Lee Brown wouldn't have got so much stick. And maybe the, the positives and defensive jewels and being a squad player, at least, he's not a bad player to have in the squad, definitely. And he, he, he's, a, he's a character in the dressing room and, and all that kind of malarkey, all those intangibles. But I think it's more of a backlash against Kenny Jacket sort of style, um, maybe rather unfairly, I suppose, on Lee Brown.
1: Yeah, I think Lee Brown is a solid League One player. Um, I think that if Ronan Curtis is having a brilliant individual game ahead of him, then I think he's okay because as you mentioned, he does the defensive duels. um, He doesn't give much away um, and I think that has to be respected on some level i think sometimes when when maybe curtis is having a bit of an off day uh or the opposing team are kind of doubling up on him then you need a bit more from your left back and that's where someone like steve Seden would have a massive advantage over um brown in terms of what he can contribute to the press um, I, I mean, the other left back, if I'm not mistaken, is, is Joe Hancock in the squad. So, and I, I you know, I, I don't know what's the situation with him. He could go out on loan potentially from my outsider's perspective. So, it's not impossible that, yes, you've retained Lee Brown as a squad player, but you could also bring in another left back. I don't think that's necessarily out of the question.
2: Yeah, we, uh, Ports have definitely needed another option at left back, whether it's a. <clears throat> Just an alternative compliment at left back, whether it's a, a younger kid on loan who does who has some of the qualities that Steve Seddon has, or if it's just, or, or if it's a more established left back and you make Brown as a backup, but we'll go over that later on.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fair to say that Brown of, you know, for all his efforts was our third best left back left seasons last season. So yeah, you do need to bring someone else in if just just because it was so important you know, both are fullbacks going forward and, and we struggled on that right-hand side. And you look, you look at someone like Marcus Harness playing on the right wing, he had so much less support than someone like Ronan Curtis on the left. And it was, it was plainly obvious that defenders were doubling up on him basically. And he, he had nobody going round him and Pompey really will struggle next season. If, if both the left and right-hand sides are, are sort of muted. Um, cool. Let's get into different players. So we'll go around the table um, we've been doing some research: the mix of watching players from from the season, um, use, using Scout data, um, statistics, and also just watching a bit of video, and, and also talking around and asking people we know from different football clubs who know more than us with their own teams who they think they could get on loan. So, Freddie, do you want to kick us off with somebody that you've you've seen or you think probably could get in? Um, we, we sort of focused a little bit more on free transfers, loan market players, and players from divisions below. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> because of the coronavirus
2: situation and also the fact that in the news recently, I think it's about a week ago now that Mark Kettling said that Portsmouth we're, were losing £700,000 a month. Gross. Um, I'm just assuming that there will be no transfers for money or at all. And it will just be free agents and loan signings. Because otherwise they, they said they're going to try their best not to make any redundancies. If they sign a player and then make redundancies next week, there'll be there'll be rioters outside the ground. I'm glad so all that, the players are. Sorry. So just on a on a
1: short you note, know, I just want to say I'm um, congratulate. Well, say well done to the club on that stance because we've seen Arsenal make sort of fifty five redundancies and then sign Willian on two hundred odd grand a week. So um, just yeah, well done to the club, really.
2: Yeah, precisely. Yeah. It, 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 in the article uh, from this is from memory so bear with me i think catelyn basically said that the club would try their best to not financially make anybody redundant
1: mm.
2: effectively so some of the left backs are, are on loan one of them that i know we will probably go around the table after i give one example one player who i really liked is jerome opoku who was on loan at Accrington mm. stanley last season I watched him in the away game where Portsmouth were dreadful and Opako was one of the better players on the pitch. For me, he's exactly the sort of player who can either be a cover to Lee Brown or can go ahead of him. He's very good at defensive duels. He's a solid player, very high strength as well, can move up and down, has good positional sense. For me, he has pretty much everything that Portsmouth need in that regard. Whether he can make the dribbles, like Steve said, and I'm not sure. I haven't seen him enough from his, uh, but from his, um, from his 25 appearances for in last season, very good. And I don't think since Fulham have been promoted to the
1: Premier League that they'll use him. So I think he'd be a good loan signing. I don't know what yeah. you think, Gabe. You've seen him more than me. Yeah, I've seen. I, I saw him for ninety minutes in their game in Accrington Stanley's game against Gillingham in October last season. And I think he was he definitely had a good game then. And uh, I've actually spoken to Rob Russell, who's a Stanley fan, about uh, Apoku, and he actually says that he would have liked to have seen Apoku at centre back, which really interests me because um, when I saw him, he was very good going forward, and I'm sure that was your take as well. Um, Freddie like I don't necessarily know whether he's a dribbler necessarily but I do think he has the instinct to get forward into that final third he's very athletic as well he's got strength and, and pace as well and stamina so all those ingredients that you want so I think he would probably offer something more than Lee Brown getting forward especially on that overlap to Ronan Curtis probably contribute to the press but I also think he would have that defensive awareness that's you've got to have as a fullback in a Kenny Jackett team. So um, I think he could be a really good signing, yeah. Uh,
2: I've got the dribbling stats in front of me. Last season, Ophok made 5.1 dribbles per 90, at a 63% success rate. And what that means is that was twice as many dribbles as Steve Seddon and he was more successful at them. So make of that what you will. He definitely has the ingredients to be a good fullback going forward and make those overlaps of Ronan Curtis, which... Can be very deadly on that right hand side, on that left hand side. Excuse me, because Portsmouth fans know with Andy Cannon at CAM, with Ben Close on that side, and then an attacking fullback and and Ronan Curtis on the wing. There are not many teams that could deal
1: with that in League One, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, that'd be a really exciting left side.
0: Yeah, I think I think we're all uh, already pretty excited there, Freddie. So we're going to have to email Mark Catlin after the show and get on with, get <laughs> him to get on with that one before somebody else snaps him up. I'm sure there'll be a lot of clubs interested. Um, Gabe, do you have anyone you think that Pompey should be targeting in defence?
1: In defence, um, so I think you need a left sided centre back. Um, ju- 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 um, let me. Um, just in terms of looking at League Two, I think uh, Charlie Good was at Northampton. I was a big fan of him. He's gone to QPR, I think, or certainly he was going to. I like the look of um, Tom Eastman at Colchester. He's someone who's been there uh, for quite a long time. So he's fairly experienced, but he's also fairly young as well. So I think he's like in his mid-20s, so pretty young for a centre-back. And, and he can, as well as doing the basics of defending, he's been a leader for them at times. He can also play a bit. So um, I think that's kind of important next to uh, someone like Sean Raggett. He's a bit more on A-nonsense. So um, I would maybe look at someone like uh, Tom Eastman. Yeah, if,
2: um, yeah. Uh, I do. I did watch Colchester in the playoffs. And I think, honestly, the players that um, jumped out to me a lot were both fullbacks on the left and right back. I don't know that's because sports have need most of their support at fullback, but I'm trying to remember their names. Both of those fullbacks oh, Ryan played Sam. well in those two. Yes, Ryan,
0: Ryan Jack. Jack. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They're also. I know they're both quite good in the air, aren't they? And, and I think they both a bit of a threat from from corners as well. From memory.
1: Well, yeah. There's Ryan Jackson, who's pretty physical, good in the air, and he's got a great um, long throw in him uh, as well. And then there's Cohen Brammel, who's extremely quick. I saw him in the game at Lane Orient and Boxing Day, and he's one of the the standout players. And I think he'd probably be um, the best la- left back in League Two, when fit, apart from you know, debatably with Pickering. But um, yeah, I'm a massive fan of Cohen Brammel, and he can he's got that pace, but he's also got that technical ability, and he's um, he's definitely someone who could uh, could contribute going forward for sure.
0: Cool. No, I like that. I like those picks. I'll 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 crack on then. Um I'm gonna go with a loan move from uh, recently gonna be relegated Norwich. Um a player called Aken Fameru. I'll get that right. Fameru. Um he, he played for Norwich he's in there under the twenty uh free setup but he went out on loan uh, last season to St Mirren in the SPL and looked pretty decent there. Uh, he's a six at two centre back. He can play the ball out. Um he's pretty solid as well defensively and I've heard he's he's sort of mature above above his above his age as well and after you know pretty solid uh, spell out in the SPL um, the guys I know that at Norwich over there are telling me that he thinks he could step in and do a really good job in league one
1: Yeah he's not someone I've um, seen for 90 minutes just yet But I think he came through the ranks at at Luton And probably came in just when they were kind of uh, on the up perhaps in in the EFL Um, So probably maybe a bit unlucky timing wise there But um, yeah he looks pretty tall and apparently supposed to be pretty good on the ball as well So I'm not sure what foot he's he's favoured on But I think if he's left footed then I suppose you'd make him a contender
2: Cool, Freddie? Um, in terms of left backs, I'll stay on left backs for two more options. One quick option, if you need, if Apoku doesn't get on loan, another option could be Reese Norrington Davis on loan mm-hmm. from Sheffield United. Last yep. season, he played 27 games for Rochdale. I'm not sure how well he would fit in a canny jacket side that's more defensive, because when I saw Rochdale, um, when I saw of play away at Rochdale, Norrington Davis was very good on the ball, liked his passing. He was up and down on that side. His crossing stats aren't very good. Um, worse than Brown and some of the other fullbacks that we mentioned. So I think he would he would take more um, more of a transition period to get used to the left-back in a Kenny Jacket side, but I don't think he'd be a bad option. But the main option that I would like, he's on a free, and it probably will cost of a fair bit in wages to sign him. I would try and sign Luke Garbutt on the on the left hand side. Very high expected assists in the last calendar year at 5.2 5.42, excuse me. And again, in that mold of likes to get forward. He doesn't dribble as much. He, he's got similar dribbling stats to Lee Brown, but his passing is out of this world, in my opinion. And I think that's the player that if you want to sign a more established player, he's 27 years old, he's been on loan uh, his parent clubs Everton previously went on loan all over the place. He reminds me of exactly the sort of mould is it from the Steves uh, the end of Stevens mould from League Two. It might be a bit coincidental why I'm thinking of it like that, but I think Luke Garbert would be an excellent signing.
0: Yeah. I think Pompey do need in some ways, and you know I'm actually going to suggest after this someone who's who hasn't got as much experience, and I, I think that maybe if we if you look at how Kenny Jackett looks to recruit at the moment, especially, he's not looking to take a lot of gambles, and even sometimes maybe where he should. So, you know, when you look at the free agent players we have brought in, usually, you know, the likes of the likes of Downing, etc., they tend to be players who have, who have played a little bit more rather than young players give given opportunity like like we would like to see the club doing. So, maybe that is a is something that will happen, especially after losing such an well such an important member of the squad like Christian Burgess. Um, Gabe, do you think that Pompey would need to replace their centre-back with maybe someone who is as experienced as Burgess? Or do you think someone like Raggett, who is not usually as much of a, you know, lead the line leader as such on the dressing room, could sort of step up now and take that role with another young centre-back?
1: Um, well i think the the downside of having a young center back is that um they may be more prone to mistakes if they're more if the bulk of their experience is under 23s football where there's less pressure um having said that i do think that you could do with someone with a little bit more quality in possession next to Raje um, ragged, so eh um, whatever you want to call him yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I think sometimes there's a little there's an element of the risk going with uh, a, a, a low knee and, and maybe Jacket is a sort of manager that will lean towards a more experienced player Um, and that's what I could imagine him going with I think if he goes for a young player it'll be someone who's already proven themselves to some extent uh, in the EFL yeah well
2: Portsmouth um, were linked with Charlie Moogrew yesterday mm-hmm. okay and um obviously he's on a he, he'll be on a big contract so Bloodburn, they would want to get rid of him i don't see any way where ports have, have the money to sign him permanently it might be a loan deal where ports yeah have they're pay talking a about percent- that now aren't they yeah where ports yeah. would pay a percentage for ages it's a very candy jacket signing isn't it very solid player highly experienced Very defensive, but a minded centre back got a good range of passing on him. And the X X factor for me is he's got a very good free kick. I remember Mm -hmm. him taking free kicks for Celtic, and the amount of goals they scored from that was ridiculous. So, Mm -hmm. I think Charlie Mulgrew could be an excellent signing. Whether he would drive, I don't expect him to drive the play like Clark and Burgess in terms of that full on aggressive dribbling going forward. But if he's got an excellent passing range and port of and and the Portsmouth of players move off the ball really well, I I think that could be a good substitute.
0: It does concern me though a little bit because with him and Racket playing next to each other and Kenny Jacket's sort of intentions to to play the ball and to play the ball long and bypass the midfield, which is yeah, really, uh, like, you, a big you can issue. imagine
2: Mole Crew being really good at that, <laughs> just skipping the centre of midfield entirely.
0: Exactly. Just sort of laying balls. And, you know, we don't need players to be sort of spraying it sort of from the centre back out, you know, hoping that Ronan Curtis can read the flight of the ball as the sea wind there whips across Fratton Park and <laughs> takes it out for a throw in. So, I mean, I think he's a, he's a good player, mate. Um, I've watched him play a bit, not huge amounts, but I, I think he would be a great player. But Gabe, do you see him as the player that would pair best up with Raggett stylistically?
1: yeah i think so i mean um i think he really makes a big difference to um uh, Blackburn in their sort of uh, promotion winning season from League One. He got a crazy amount of goals and assists, I think, uh, for a centre-back in that 1718 18 season. He's obviously had a bit of a lean spell in recent years, That had a bit of a time at Wigan, it didn't really work out for him that. So um, I think, you know, he's probably one of the players that you could attract him to play League One football in a way that you might not have been able to do a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, with Portsmouth, sometimes you you can be a bit predictable in the way that you play not the easiest on the iron, and, and it'd be interesting to see whether Jacket can sort of compromise that and add in a, a ball playing defender and just allow you to sort of hold on to the ball sometimes when, so go long when you need to go long but also be able to look after the ball as well and play it into midfield and, uh, and open teams up that way and I think you could do with more tools in your armour next season and, and maybe Milgrew would be a, a good signing if he's uh, if he is left footed because um, I think that's an important issue as well
2: yeah, as Portsmouth fans, we've been spoiled for excellent centre-halves since since they got promoted from League Two. I mean, Matt Clark for two seasons. Burgess was the third centre-half, effectively, when Jack Watmore was at the highest of his powers before he got injured. Both of them excellent range of passing and could take on a, 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 a winger or a midfielder in the dribble and beat him and actually make Portsmouth drive play. They're very good at doing that, and Portsmouth have the players to do that. Rather than what we saw in those playoffs, where they struggled, they were on dimensional, the midfield, the passing in the midfield was slow, and there wasn't a lot of movement off the ball. That's what Ports have really needed. And from when I looked at the centre halves, I looked at the freebies, I didn't really see anybody I liked. I found a couple of players potentially for loan, but Gabe, who who would you say is the perfect ball playing centre half that Ports could get, either
1: on loan or on a fairly cheap contrast? um i d- i don't know if i see you getting uh someone in on loan just because i think uh It's a risky um, move, and I think with Jacket, I think in terms of his defensive units, I think he's the type who will take as few risks as possible. Uh, And maybe going forward, you'll have someone like a kind of someone with a bit more um, unpredictability, like a Ronan Curtis. So I think if you are going to go for a ball winning centre back, then I think you would lean towards someone like Mulgrew over someone like Fameu, who's uh, more unproven, I suppose, in the EFL.
2: I think the reason why I looked at loan players was literally purely financial. So I think that's why I looked at them first. Because honestly, fair... we don't we, we don't really know what Portsmouth's budget is. It's not like in America where we know what everybody's salary is and what the salary cap and how that relates to the salary cap. We're pretty much guessing at this point
1: there's scott wharton as well who um i don't know if he's still at blackburn but he certainly had a stint at northampton last season and he's another one who's um who's left footed and supposed to have a, a fairly bright future
0: no yeah, that's good i was, go- okay, I was gonna ask uh, um one of the guys i know who, who writes um and, and covers uh spurs says that tj Imoa who went to loan at lincoln city didn't have any joy there as such um Do you know if he's right-footed or left-footed? Is he a player you know about? I don't
1: know off the top of my head. I mean, I could be able to Mm. um, search the the FIFA stats, if you like. But um, no, it's not. I think Lincoln were one of those clubs that um, they've looked for a lot of players uh, on their sort of second loan spell. I think Michael Appleton, I mean, you'd have had him a fair few years ago now at at Mm. Pompey. And he's definitely one who likes to develop players who have come down from the uh, the Premier League academies. But if I'm not mistaken, they did have quite a big squad around that period, so that might have um, affected him. I'm not sure what sort of a job he could do for Pompey.
0: Well, I've heard he's, he's particularly good on the ball, and he was, you know, a regular in the under twenty three side, but ready to go out really and, and flow the nest. And he's good on the ball, reads the game well, and uh, you know, physically capable of playing in League One now. Um, I know he played once for Spurs uh, in a competitive fixture, and also. One of the reasons to speak to Spurs is that Kenny Jackett's quite uh, familiar, as we know, with the Spurs um, under 18 setup as well. And, you know, when you look at the players we've had before, you know, the likes of Anton Walks have come from that setup. Sometimes when you're looking at players, you might loan in. I suppose we should try and focus a little bit on, on the links that managers have with clubs like Spurs and Wolves.
1: Yeah, sure. I've just checked and Timothy Ioma is right footed. So um, whether that rules him out, if you're definitely not looking for a left footer. Wow, we, need,
0: we need a right back as well. And apparently you can play right back. So I suppose he could be mixed in the squad
1: there. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, shout. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you get clubs that have good relationships um, with bigger clubs and sometimes you can get. Uh, loan deals in. And I think, um, yeah, certainly Anteton Walks, um, they benefited from that in that sense. Um, I mean, there's, um, yeah, Keon, there's George Marsh, actually, who had um, a very good loan spell at Leighton Orient. And he's one, interestingly enough, he's a very technical player, energetic as well. And he can play, uh, I think he's primarily a midfielder, but he's also sort of played at right back. And if you're looking to not bring too many players in, then you could do worse than because you're looking for a, another midfielder potentially to play mm. on to the three as well. If I'm not mistaken, so uh, Marsh might not be a bad option as well.
0: No, definitely. When we lose, um, I think we haven't got uh, Cameron McGeen, and also you, you know you've got Ross McCrory, who's now always gone back to Rangers as well. So we do have a gap in the midfield really that we need to bring some players in for. And um, Freddie, have you got any more players on your list of defenders? Um, for centre halves, I've got two options.
1: Go Both of the
2: Maloneys both of them played in league one last season and did fairly well one of them played um i think off the top, of my head, 25 appearances for burton albion and that was richard nate on loan from chelsea very high defensive duels win rate at 79.21 and he makes a lot of them he made 14 and a half success uh, successful defensive actions per 90 which is very very good in that division the main thing for me is very good range of passing i don't like looking at passing accuracy stats because it relies so many on other things people moving off the ball etc but he's up there for that as well and yeah Portsmouth need a ball playing centre-half they desperately need that and um, even, even if Richard Nate even if he's not the complete package even if defensively he might be a tiny bit suspect, suspect the back four, the rest of the back four can clean up after him so I think he could be one to maybe look for as a cheap option and also Lewis Gibson on loan from Everton I think it was Everton. He played for Fleetwood last season, ten appearances, from what I remember. He was one of the few Fleetwood defenders in the in their playoff semi-final that wasn't awful. So that says a lot already. Again, very high defensive duel win percentage at eighty-two point two. I'm focusing on that more than the aerial duels because um, we've got Raggett for that. So you have one player to deal with the crosses, one player to deal with the um, the defensive challenges on the floor. And Lewis Gibson's passing rate is also fairly good as well for um Loneys in League One. So those are two cheap options at centre half. It's just whether they can fill in if, for example,
1: Jacket doesn't tr- trust Jack Watmore to play at centre half because of the injuries. If I can just um, pick up on the uh, Richard Narty point, uh, Freddie, I think uh the one I, I'm I'm a really big fan of Narty and a neighbor and Albion fans are as well, but he's also uh, right-footed and I think if you're looking and I know, I know um, that Burton fans are not sure about him at right back He sometimes played right back for Burton but they think he's probably slightly better as a centre-back and uh, that's why I would probably lean more towards Lewis Gibson I don't think he's necessarily a, a better defender as such I just think that having a left-footed uh, centre-back next to Radget could could uh, could make quite a big difference Gabe, just picking up on that point actually, because
0: some some people have asked us the question of how important is it to have a left and right-footed centre back? Um, obviously, it's not always possible with some teams, but how important is it to a, to a team?
1: I think the um, the main one is that it can it allows you to play progress the ball forward quickly because if you um, if you're having a right-footed centre back on the left what that means is that they're naturally going to try and look for passes that go infield. And that's the area that opponents are more likely to press. Whereas if you can play a quick pass into the left winger or the left sided midfielder um, very early, then that kind of bypasses the press and gets you going on an attacking front. So um, I think just having someone on their natural side who can get the ball forward um, earlier, I think can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think people can clear that up. Freddie, have you got any more? Can you crack on with or should we just... Uh, uh, I have
2: one more player and he's at right back because I'm assuming because of finances, um, it would take a big player to come in at right back for it to be a signing. Since we've got Hadji Monoga very promising talent. He'll be the backup player behind James Bolton. But the one player I did find on a free was uh, Stephen O'Donnell, who was at Kilmarnock. Hmm. Ex Scotland international. He's got a pedigree, very modern day fullback, got an engine on him, very good at dribbles per 90 and high dribble success rate. He only makes 2.35, where compared to Paku and Seddon, these are last year's stats. Um, compared to Apoku and Seddon, those stats are quite low, but he's got a higher success rate, 72% and those stats are similar to Nathan Thompson when he was at Portsmouth where he didn't dribble a lot but when he did he created space and was able to pass the ball and had the the, the defensive solidity behind him I think he would be an excellent player and because he was at Kilmarnock he's on the lower end of clubs in the uh, in the SPL his contract won't be that wouldn't wouldn't have been that ridiculous so if you so an average league one salary or slightly above that, I think you get Stephen O'Donnell for that. It just depends whether he wants to relocate down south. But um, I think he would be really good at right back and would solve a lot of the problems that Portsmouth have. Nice. Don't even know who he is, Freddie. But um, have you don't seen know him? Again? Stephen O'Donnell. No. Nope. Um, really? Even even though play for Scotland. Yeah. I Haven't seen him.
1: No. He had a stint at Luton, didn't he, a few years ago, but I've not heard of him since he's gone north of the border. Um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. It's because Freddie's in York, that's why, mate. He's basically Scotland. So <laughs> it's, 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 probably on, it's probably on local television or something like that. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do really
2: rate Stephen O'Donnell. Some people, um, from what I could tell, thought it was a bit of a stretch that he played for Scotland sometimes, and that was because of Steve Clark. But he was in that Kilmarnock side that finished third. Which in the in the SBL any side to finish third, you, you must have had some pedigree for him. For for me, it was similar to in January. I recommended Declan Gallagher. Stephen O'Donnell is off that ilk for defenders in the SBL. So I, I I would, I would not have any hesitation to maybe even offer Stephen O'Donnell a three year deal that that would take him to over thirty. But I don't think that'd be a problem at all. He's twenty eight. Highly, uh, high, he, and he's got the perfect balance. He can go forward and he can dribble and create space, which Marcus Harness desperately needs on that side.
0: Three a year contract, mate. That's that's the given the Paul Downing deal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, he's impressed over a number of seasons for me.
0: No, hey, nice. That's a great shout, mate. Proper outside the box. Is there anyone you can think of, Gabe, or we'll do t- one t- last one?
1: Right backs. I mean, um. I'm definitely a massive fan of of Perry and G at Crew, but I would imagine mm. getting a a championship move. Um, so that would leave. Um, yeah, we mentioned Ryan Jackson uh, earlier. I like James Gibbons at Port Vale. I don't think he's necessarily um, on the radar as much as someone like Ng, um, who was their Young Player of the Year in 1718. Had a bit of a, a barren spell the following season when, like, there was an issue with um, their manager at that time. But he's come back and probably been one of the best right backs. Uh, in league two. And I think he's on the, he's still on the younger side as well. So could be a good long-term investment to fit what the club had, had pledged uh, a few months ago.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, I know we discussed him and you said he's a bit of an, he's, you know, he's a bit of an all round defender, isn't he? Rather than just say maybe a one trick, you say he's not just a defensive or, or maybe an attacking player.
1: Yeah, I think he can do a bit of everything, really. There's no sort of clear weakness in this game, and I think that's um, that could be a real positive, because you want someone that can offer you a bit more going forward than James Bolton, but you also want someone that Kenny Jackett can get along with. Um, so I think in that sense, he, he would be a decent option for you.
0: Nice. Um, we're going to go on and do midfielders um, in the next episode. I mean, obviously, we're not just dragging out content in the off season, but I just got a, a quick one. I actually wanted to ask you, Gabe, whilst you're on the show. Sure. Um, I'd be quite interested in uh, picking up Jack Rolls, who played for Cambridge last season. Do you think he's destined to go for a championship move um, next season? Or do you think there's a chance we can get him?
1: I think there's a chance he could get into League One. I think uh, Cambridge fans rate him very highly, but I think the thing with Jack Rolls is he's had he had um, a few injuries last season that maybe disrupted his period, and maybe that's what would point his career in the direction of a League One move rather than a Championship move. Because I think if he had played all season, then a lot of Championship clubs would have been on alert and said, "Right, we've got to get him in." So I think the fact that he didn't play the full season for Cambridge could be a factor. He Certainly a very creative player, a uh, good playmaker, uh, can spot the three balls and and maybe would fill a void that current that's currently missing a little bit in the squad. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put you off roles.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's one of those players that you know Pompey do need some more creativity in the center of midfield and he could provide a bit of that. I remember he um, he scores quite different goals. I remember he actually outscored Sancho, uh, Sancho in the under 18s as well, for Spurs. Right. Um yeah, are you being called up for Cyprus? I, I think he's the kind of player, who, he's got a bit of pressure on him, but you know, could maybe come in and maybe even Jacket could say that he's the kind of player who he might give a chance as a youngster rather than somebody who's sort of freshly blooded or he has to freshly blood himself. Cool. All right. Have we got anything else to chat about on defenders? Now I've finished asking that one question. Freddie? Oh, no, that's all, that's all the defenders I heard. Cool. Alright, last one we'll do is uh, Jonathan Harris messaged in, uh, cheers mate, and he said, which opposition teams are you looking forward to playing next season the most? So, Freddie, League One, who are you looking forward to seeing the most? Uh, it, in terms of what? In terms of um, how the football will be? It. I just had <laughs> the question out. I, I, didn't, I didn't quiz him on it, mate, so you're just going to have to answer <laughs> the best you can.
2: <laughs> well... In terms of sides where I think Portsmouth will play, it it would be a good game for the neutral. I still think games against Peterborough would be really good. It's almost like like a foil where Peterborough are very good going forward. Portsmouth struggles going forward because of the tactics. And I think every game is interesting in that regard. I still think Portsmouth can potentially, fingers crossed, be a better side than Peterborough, even though Peterborough got the expats with a lot of money. If they sell Ivan Tony for, let's say, five million then they they've got all the money in the world to reinvest that in the squad and they, and they've still got other options going forward that's not him and
0: they've got Dan Butler as well who doesn't like seeing an export player do well well they always do well against us when they play But I reckon lots of clubs probably say that as well don't they so um Gabe if you who, if you, who do you think is going to be out of the relegated teams who have come down uh, who do you think is going to be the biggest threat to Pompey of, of potentially bouncing straight back up
1: I being perfectly honest, I don't see any of them being a real threat because I all think that they're incredibly dis Um So you're looking at, um, what is it, um, Hull have got massive question marks over the ownership situation, the LM regime, uh, Charlton, we don't know whether they're going to have any money. There's no one at boardroom level who seems to both have money and seem trustworthy or, either, or have either of those things. And of course, you've got Wigan in administration. Um, I think... You know, on paper, logic would suggest uh, Hull because they've been able to sign Louis Coyle, a right-back from Fleetwood, who are quite right. Um So I think on paper, you'd say Hull would be the likeliest, but I just think there's so much discontent among their fans, lack of transparency at the club, um, you know, so much uh, disillusionment there. I just can't really see them putting together a promotion push. So uh, I wouldn't w- worry too much about... Um, the uh, the relegated teams, if I'm honest, and then you look at the promoted teams. Swindon have lost a large proportion of their goals from the previous season in uh, Doyle and Yates, and and obviously I, I can't really see the Northampton posing much of a threat. So in that sense, it's only really Argyle and Crew who are actually strengthening the division. I would say.
0: It's interesting because actually we've been talking about the playoffs leading up to it and thinking that some of the teams that get relegated, it'd actually be a lot of a, a, a much stronger division and a, a tougher division to get out of. But um, from what you're saying, it, it sounds like it's not going to be necessarily um, as tough as maybe a lot of Pompey fans might have thought.
1: No, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think... Um, yeah, I think a lot of um, the, the League One clubs are going to struggle. I think it really the, um, the the mix for promotion is probably going to be much of the teams that um, have been competing there this season. And maybe you would think, you know, Doncaster and Gillingham would hope to um, maybe put a, a side push together. Ipswich will feel they should be better next season and and Blackpool. But um, yeah, I don't see, apart from uh, Argyle and Crewe, um, yeah, I can't see many new teams um, really posing a threat. Cool.
2: You got anything else to add on that, Freddie, or should we close it up? No, no, you can you can close up, really. I think I think uh, I'm caught in two minds, depending on how next season will go obviously um, the negative part of me where Portsmouth I think will finish seventh for no reason, just for various reasons <laughs> which we've mentioned or you, you, look, you look at it and go well oh, the three relegated teams they've all got basket case ownerships that could play into Portsmouth's advan- advantage even though they, they may be a weaker side it might just be the thing where Portsmouth try and stay as level as they can but other teams get weaker around them it's very odd I think it'll be very hard to call next season
0: yeah, and Freddie, it's good to hear you back to your normal self. Um, and Gabe, as another disciple of analytics in football, um, Freddie's whole world was shook, I think, after the uh, the playoff defeat. Um, and even your faith in uh, stats like XG. So you, it's good to hear you back, mate, back to your best. And uh, <laughs> and feeling a little bit more on tune. Because I think you, without any, you know, you sort of lost all faith in uh, in what had happened for that, maybe just for that week. And I don't know, maybe it's just the beers talking. But uh, yeah, it's good to hear you back, mate.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't be as I said at the beginning. You can't be negative all the time, can you? <laughs> Even though uh, it's just a shame that when it mattered, Portsmouth just didn't didn't turn up and didn't do enough in those ninety minutes. I think after the the um, first ninety minutes went in the second leg, I just said, "Oh, if they don't get promoted now, it's they didn't do enough," which is the most frustrating thing. But you've just got to um, look forward a bit, try and see it in context, and try and move on i guess i I haven't given up on analytics and stats it's just that um kenny
0: jackets teams sometimes um buck the trend on them a lot flattered to deceive Gabe, mate. it's been awesome having you on the podcast um tell the listeners where they can find your stuff online
1: yeah cheers it's been great coming on as well Uh, you can follow me at underscore football lab with two L's where you'd think there'd be three Um, and yeah follow me on Twitter and yeah that'd be great look forward to speaking to you and yeah thanks for having me on
0: no it's been an absolute pleasure and we're going to crack on next week and look at the midfield but until next time play up, Pompey